hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the You Are Not Too Busy podcast. I'm your host, Noam Raider, and I'm so excited that you're here today. We're going to do a little solo episode moment. I know you guys always request these and really like these episodes, and I just always feel like I don't have enough valuable things to say. And that lends perfectly into the topic of today's episode. So, I mean, the main topic. We're going to start with talking about imposter syndrome. Um, We'll probably stray away. I think I want to do like a little Q&A or assumptions about me little segment at the end. We'll see where it goes. Honestly, I was fully going to prep this episode and I just didn't because time got ahead of me. And I feel like that's a recurring theme on this podcast. I'm always like, guys, I meant to do this. I meant to record on time. I meant to record last week. I meant to prep. And I never do because I am just so over ambitious with my time. And I think I have 36 hours in the day. But you know what? That is a topic for another time. Or maybe it will come up today. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where things go. But Anyways, let's just like give some context to where I'm at in my current life. I feel like I always used to do little life updates, but I just kind of fell out of the habit because I felt like no one really cared, which again leads back into imposter syndrome. Um, But anyways, um, it is December 5th. It's a Monday night. It's 9.56 p.m. I just made a beautiful cup of tea and I kind of messed up because... So I have a David's Tea Advent Calendar, which I'm literally obsessed with. It's so cute. And yes, I am Jewish and I don't celebrate Christmas, but you know what? I can really get behind a good Advent Calendar. But anyways, the issue is, is that day five was a beautiful Moore's Chai Tea. That's the tea of the day. And I don't want to break the Advent Calendar, of course. So I made it. But now I'm like, oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. But you know what? That's a problem for future Noam. Um, do as I say, not as I do. Is that the saying? I don't know. You know what I mean. Anyways. Um, so yeah, I am currently almost, I'm at the tail end of my internal medicine rotation. So you know what, if, if you don't know me and you're just popping on this podcast, let me give you a little bit more context. So I am a first year family medicine resident doctor living in Toronto. Um, and since I'm doing family medicine, which is like like your family doctor, like a GP, it's pretty general, or it can be at least. So we still rotate through other kind of general services, such as pediatrics and internal medicine and obstetrics and emergency medicine and psychiatry, palliative care, so on. So I spend like majority of my year in family medicine clinic, but I also do all these other things. So um, here's my relationship with internal medicine. I actually... It's not that I don't like it. Like I actually really like working as a team and it's super interesting. It's just like, it's not for me. And there's just a few reasons. One, I don't like 24 hour call. I think it's inhumane and I don't think it's beneficial. And I have no idea why we still do this in medicine. And they do a lot of 24 hour call in internal medicine. So that's number one, why I don't like this rotation. Number two, is that you see a lot of really sad things. And I will say it's also probably one of the most fulfilling rotations in a sense, because you really get to be there for people in their darkest times. And even though it's no solace when you're getting really bad news about yourself or a family member, but having a medical team who's there to support you and hear you out and and work towards your goals, 
is super important. And I've really seen that impact and really felt that gratitude. And it's really meant so much. And I, I can't belittle that by any means. Um, but it's just, it takes a toll on me mentally. Um, like I have a hard time leaving it at work when I see these really, really tragic stories and lose patients or patients succumb to their illnesses anyways. Um, so yeah, but I only have to do three weeks of it this year, which is not bad, right? Because every day is just 24 hours and I just have to do 24 hours times 21. And that's so doable because every rotation is a month, but I'm taking a week off vacation. Not the point. Let's get back to it. What was I talking about? Oh, right. I'm on internal medicine. So um, I also, the rotation before this, I was on um, pediatric emergency medicine, which actually isn't a super busy rotation, but I cramped all my shifts at like the front and end of my month so that I could take a week off in the middle. Um, And I don't regret that one bit, but the consequences of my actions have led me to go three weeks without a real day off meaning that I had some post-call days, which is like when you work at the 24-hour shift, the next day you get off, but like really you just spend it sleeping because you haven't slept in 24 hours. So I've had some post-call days, but until this Saturday, so two days ago, uh, yeah, two days ago, I didn't have a real day off in literally three weeks. Um, And this will come up again later, but it's been busy. It's also a busy time of year for social media stuff with the holidays and holiday campaigns. And I just like, I'm feeling like I want to create. And I think like something I talk about a lot on my page is romanticizing the small moments and enjoying life, even when it's kind of mundane and more quiet. And like when it's nice out and it's summer, things are so exciting. There's so much happening. But I feel like for me, at least when it's colder out, is when I tend to get more into like my winter blues just because there isn't so many exciting things going on. You're not as stimulated. There's not as much like instant dopamine around you. Um, So you kind of have to find that for yourself. And I feel like I've really worked on that and it's really working for me this year. And I want to share that. Like I want to share how I romanticize my day and my cozy nights in. And I really love creating that kind of content, but I just don't have the time. Um, So essentially all this to say it's been busy but we'll come back to this later like I feel like I'm surprisingly coping pretty well with it all things considered um am I at my best no no I'm not but am I okay you know what yeah I'm okay I'm gonna take a sip of tea because I'm rambling right now Mm, this s'mores chai is so good I almost regret not saving it for a chai latte in the morning Tomorrow I work a 26-hour shift, so I start at 8 a.m. till like 10 a.m. the next day, but it's my second last one on internal medicine ever, which is crazy. I can't believe I'm basically halfway done or almost halfway done um, my first year of residency. So January 1st, I will be one quarter of my way done through my residency training. That is bananas to me. It's flying by too fast and part of me is so excited to be done all forms of like formal schooling and like I guess like in a sense I feel like start my life now that I don't need to kind of follow other people's schedules or rules or work for anyone else. But on the other hand though, like that's so scary. (laughs) But 
let's not get into that. I'm not in the mood for an existential crisis right now. Okay. Oh, one more thing I wanted to talk about is what I'm reading because I used to, again, always bring this up in podcast episodes, but it just fell out of the wayside. So I recently finished reading, um, oh my God, the words are escaping me right now. Oh, (laughs) I swear I read it guys. I just finished Where the Crawdad Sings and I really wanted to read it before watching the movie because when I was younger, that was like my hard stuck in the stone rule that I could not watch a movie before I read the book. Um, And I decided to recommit to that this time. So I read the book. Guys, I really liked it. I, if you know me, you know that I took one evolutionary psychology course when I was in um, undergrad and then I with that same prof because I was obsessed with her. I also took an animal behavior course, like a psychology of animal courses. And I took like these two classes, like a total of one year's worth. This was not my major. My major was not evolution or animal behavior, but it is like my favorite topic to talk about ever. And I loved how in this book, I'm pretty sure the author works in like zoology. Like she knows all about this stuff. And it talks so much about biology and nature and comparing like mating habits and family patterns of animals to humans. And there's all these metaphors and connections and it's just so beautiful in that aspect. Um, it was, it was a really great book. The ending took me for a spin. I don't know how I still didn't expect it. Maybe that's just me, but I really recommend it. It was a really nice read and a change of pace from what I feel like a lot of really popular books on like quote unquote book talk are right now. Like it's not that it was fantasy or, like unrealistic. It was just a very different lifestyle than what most of us live, which I think is like, if you aren't really into fantasy, which honestly I am, but that's not really the point right now. Um, it's a nice way to escape that and get a fresh perspective while still in this like realistic fiction genre. Um, but yeah, really great. Now, currently I was actually reading this before where the crowd sings and I'm reading it again. It ties back to my weird obsession with like evolution. (laughs) Um, but I'm reading Sapiens, such a classic. It's just such a big book. And I, I used to read so much nonfiction, but then over the past, like maybe two years, I started reading more fiction again to just make reading more fun for me because I feel like I was very quickly getting into a trap where reading was like becoming something productive. And I really wanted to have a hobby that like had no end goal other than enjoyment because I just like have a tendency to take things I like and just like find ways to make them productive or monetize them or so on. Um, so I started reading more fiction and I haven't read nonfiction in a while. So it's a little harder for me to get back into. Um, but I do really like it. And if you don't know a lot about evolution and you want to, I think it's a really great book to kind of introduce you to the topic. Like I feel like a lot of it is things that I did study in like biology or evolution, etc. But it's just fun to read. Anyways, that's what I'm reading now, but I'm open to suggestions. My sister got me a gift card to Indigo for my birthday in June, and I still haven't used all of it. So slide in with any book recommendations if you have something you think I would like. Okay, let's get into the meat of this episode. Today, we are going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So I figure the best place to start is I literally Googled imposter syndrome definition to just like make sure we're all on the same grounds because I feel like this is a word that gets thrown around a lot and it's like kind of become like a buzzword, but it really is like a real psychological thing. So really, 
Imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own effort or skills. And this was, I encountered the words imposter syndrome in this concept, I want to say like late into like my undergrad degree, like not that long ago. And maybe it just, I wasn't exposed to it or just like it wasn't as talked about and like common day pop culture media whatever but I feel like when I discovered it I was like oh that's how I've been feeling now there's a word for it okay and in some ways I feel like it kind of reinforces that feeling but in other ways it's also really validating because for it to have a word then and to have a syndrome right it means that other people are experiencing it too and you're not crazy because I really just thought like that's how life was. So I feel like I first started dealing with it when I was like in high school probably. And I just like vividly remember like anytime I would do well on like a test or an assignment and like granted like I worked hard. Like I was never like crazy head in the books, no social life. But despite that, like anyone who knew me growing up will also tell you that, yeah, like I wasn't insane with my studying, but I studied a lot and effectively and I prioritized school work a thousand percent. Like I was a friend who was like, okay guys, let's go to the library. Exams are coming up. And I enjoyed it. Like I, I just enjoyed learning. So I guess I didn't always feel like I was working that hard. And some of the tips like I've given before on the podcast episode, but like like I said, like I would go to study with friends or like I'd have study groups or like when I do assignments for classes, I loved making them really pretty. So like if I was doing biology, remember once we had to make like a graph, like a poster board of like the pathways of cellular respiration. And I genuinely had so much fun making it pretty. Like I enjoyed that, which right now sounds a little crazy to me, but actually like, I feel like I I could enjoy something like that now. But as you become an adult, no one wants you to make pretty poster boards, do they? No, they just want you to answer multiple choice questions besides the point. But when I would do well on exams or projects, like I just always like to my parents, to my friends, to teachers, to whoever, like, oh, I'm just lucky. Or like if I couldn't pass by saying that I was lucky, I would just say like, oh, I just like test well or, oh, it's just because I made it pretty. Like, that's why I did well. Like all these like underhanded excuses that really I couldn't just admit to myself. Like, no, I worked hard for this and my effort, like going back to that definition, my effort is what led me to deserve that. And aside from effort, like my intelligence led me to deserve that. And the work that I've put in over the past few years of building up this basis of a good work routine and um, perseverance and grit and and a fund of knowledge like those are what allowed me to do well like I would not give myself that full credit and I feel like initially it wasn't that big of a deal because I didn't really think that much of it and it wasn't that conscious but I feel like over time it just really gets to your self-confidence and the byproduct of that is that even though let's say let's give an example like in I don't know, chemistry class in high school, even though I did relatively well consistently, I would still feel super anxious before a test because in my head, all the past times that I've done well weren't due to my own uh, merit or my own dedication or my own effort. They were just due to luck, due to testing well, due to just 
setting the right things at the right time or whatever it might be. So that I, I never built that actual confidence to know what my abilities really are and kind of have that own trust in myself. But again, I feel like in high school, it, it didn't affect me that much because like really, I don't know, maybe everyone else is different, but I feel like I just floated through life until the age of like 18 or 19. Like when I think back at it, I'm like, did, did I have like, like I know I did obviously, but did I have like actual like higher level thinking? <laughs> like, did I really analyze my own emotions? Like, I don't think so. Like, I don't think I took things. And I guess that makes sense because your brain does keep developing, right? As you go into your twenties. But I really feel like in high school, like things were just more straightforward when it came to just like my emotions and my feelings. Like I didn't really question things that way. And I feel like I was in a way more emotional then because I didn't understand my feelings or my thoughts or my stressors or my anxieties. But besides the point, um, I feel like when this really started to take a toll was when I was in university. And again, I was, I was gaining this, um, higher level of cognition that hopefully we do as we age. And I took a course in first year. I really did not know much about psychology or really mental health in high school, which is kind of like I did actually, because in high school, I remember I really liked my guidance counselor. She was great. And I also really loved student leadership. I've always loved like planning school events and like planning events and creating the invitations and organizing speakers. Like I've always loved doing that kind of stuff. So I organized like our school film festival and a few other like yearly events that the guidance counselor asked me if I wanted to be like the student director for mental health awareness week that we were starting for the first time in my high school when I was in um, 11th grade, which again, crazy. We didn't have anything before that. So I didn't really know anything about mental health as I was helping her plan this. Like I was doing research and probably reading off like thought catalog or like Buzzfeed. I don't even know where I was getting this information, but I remember like printing off like posters of like your brain with depression and like showing how there's like these physical changes. Like when people really were just starting to have these conversations about like mental health is a real thing and there's physical anatomical changes and chemical changes in your brain. And like, I had a whole poster series of like myth, like myth or fact about mental illness. So I did know a little bit because I, I was involved in this project, but again, I, I did not have a higher level cognition. I'm telling you, or maybe my memory is just failing me, which is more likely the case. Cause when I read my diary from like grade 12, this girl was emotional. But when I think back on it, like, I don't remember taking things to that, like to, to understanding them for myself and what that meant for me, I guess. And it really wasn't something that we spoke about in my house growing up. And I don't think that's to virtue of like people in my family not dealing with it. Like thankfully no one in a very, and like in a very extreme way. But again, this, this will go back to my point. So I started university and I took intro to psychology. And this is when it really, when I fell in love with psychology. Um, and as intro to psychology goes, we learned about like mental illness and like what anxiety means. And I remember, and this is obviously like a very simple definition, but at the time I didn't really know that this was something I struggled with, with anxiety, but they explained it as just like being scared that something bad is going to happen, even though you logically know that nothing bad could happen. And from that, the prof continued to say that if that is something that you deal with, sometimes it's just going back to the facts and checking yourself. Like, why do you have this false belief that something bad is going to happen? and reminding yourself of the factual objective truths 
and why this um, anxious thought in your head can't be true because you know these factual things. Um, and my first semester of undergrad was very, it was on, it was so fun. Like I love moving out. I love living on residence and making new friends and going out. It was amazing. I have incredible memories from first year, which is kind of weird because I guess like hindsight is in rose tinted lenses. I feel like I messed up everything I say, guys. I blame it on English being my second language because my parents never said these sayings in the house. Like I just got them from like TV or like other people's parents. So I probably like made them up throughout my life. Like one, I'm going so off topic, but until like a few years ago, I thought the saying was it's a doggy dog world instead of it's a dog eat dog world. I thought it was a doggy dog world. I don't know what I thought that meant. That's so embarrassing to admit. Um, but anyways, I don't know any sayings, but, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, anxiety. Yes. So, um, vision in hindsight is in rose colored lenses, whatever that saying is I made up. That's what I was saying. Um, it was a really stressful semester. Um, I really studied myself to the ground. I studied, I would go to the library till like 2 a.m., go home, sleep to 6.30, wake up, do it again. I'd be taking naps in the library because I was so tired. Like I literally couldn't stay awake, which is like, girl, at that point, you're not studying effectively. I don't know what I was thinking. But um, I remember right before an exam and I think it was like, a, I think it was a biology exam. And for context, it was like my second midterm. We had two midterms within the semester for like biology 1000. And I did really well on my first midterm. Again, I told myself it was just luck and that I just like knew the right questions to answer or I just tested really well and I wouldn't give myself credit for it. And I remember not wanting to like, and again, this is a super personal thing, but like some of my friends would like ask me what I got and I wouldn't tell anyone because if I told them my grade, then they would think higher of me than I really was. Like that was what I told myself. And I also did well in the assignments. Like I really had no reason to be so stressed about the second midterm, but I was like in full on anxious panic mode. I remember being like, I'm going to fail this exam. Like I'm going to fail this exam. And I was talking to my friend. I'm like, I'm, I'm so screwed for tomorrow. Like I'm going to fail. And she was like, no, no, you're not. Whatever. Anyways, I went home that night and I was thinking back to what I learned in psychology. And I'm not saying that anxiety and imposter syndrome always go hand in hand. They definitely don't. Like you can have imposter syndrome and not at all deal with anxiety. You can have anxiety with no imposter syndrome. This is just my experience. Um, but I tried what my teacher kind of told me. I don't know where my brain suddenly came up with this. I guess I finally gained that higher level of cognition that I was lacking for 18 years. But I was like, why do I think I'm going to fail? And I kind of clocked it. That was the first time I thought like, oh, is this is this anxiety? Like, is that the feeling I've had for all these years of I think something bad is going to happen, but yet the facts tell me nothing bad should happen because one, I know I've done well specifically in this class, but on my exams in the past, at least most of them. Two, I know I've studied a lot and I know I've studied in the same way that I studied for that first midterm, which led me to do well. And I know that when I take the practice test, even if I wasn't getting an amazing score, I, I hadn't failed any of the practice tests, like below 50 fail, I mean. So why is my brain going into this panic mode of you're going to fail? 
And I think that's the moment where I kind of clock two things and I won't get too far into the next one, but one like, oh, girl, I think that's anxiety talking. But two, is this my imposter syndrome blending into that? Because I never really gave myself credit for my successes in the past. So why would I ever believe that success is guaranteed in the future, right? It always kind of puts you on that fight or flight mode of all this can go away tomorrow. And for me, another part of it, and I think it's a really common feeling people with um, imposter syndrome is I always felt like I was going to get exposed, you know, like, oh, someone's going to find out that I'm a fraud, that I just got lucky and I snuck my way in here or that I just test well, like I'm not actually smart. Anyways, that was like the heat of it for me. And I feel like I struggled from there on with imposter syndrome for honestly a long time, probably only getting over it in the past, like I wanna say like a year, maybe two years, like especially when it came time for med school applications and then med school interviews and getting into med school, like I told everyone and I genuinely believed it. Like it wasn't like a humble, like, oh, whatever. But I was like, oh, it's just luck. Like it's just luck. When I did well in the MCAT, I'm like, it was just luck that day. Because I remember I did, I got like one or two points higher than my highest practice score on an MCAT ever. I was like, oh, it was just like, a, it was just an easier test that day. It was just luck. I just test well, I just have good stamina. I just knew those questions better. Like making up every excuse in the book rather than just saying, no, you studied your little butt off for like two and a half months. And you've been studying for the past two years in university on these topics. And maybe you're also a little smart naturally. And like, I, I wouldn't give myself that credit. No, no way, no way in heck. Um, but then same thing with interviews. When I got an interview, it was like, it's just luck. And then even on interviews and people are like, oh, did it go well? Before I even knew the results, I was like, I don't know. I feel like I'm just like good at talking to people. Like I can just like talk my way through situations. Like, I don't know. Other than saying, no, I prepared for months for this interview. Like I studied the structure of the interview and the types of questions they asked. And like, I did everything I could, but I wouldn't give myself like put aside natural intelligence. Like I wouldn't even give myself the ability to admit that like my effort is what led to this. And then don't get me started on getting into med school. Every excuse under the sun as to why I got in and someone else didn't. Oh, it's just whose application, um, whose lap your application falls into. Oh, it's just because I did really well in the section of the MCAT by chance. It's just because I, the interviewers that happened to get me just like really vibe with me, whatever, whatever it might be. I'm like, oh no, it's just luck. It's just luck. Which, look, when it comes to med school, some of it is. Some of those things I said are true to a degree. But also, like, most of it is hard work and dedication. I don't even want to say it's natural intelligence. It's really just hard work and dedication is what sets you apart. But anyways, I feel like it only started to get better for me. Or, like, honestly, when it really started to get better for me was once I started residency. And um, I was doing family medicine a lot of the time. And I guess this kind of was true when I was in my later kind of later bit of med school, when I got to pick my electives and stuff. And I got to basically just like pick the specialties that I was passionate about and where was my skill set. So for me, it was like family medicine and psychiatry and, and getting that validation that like now, not only from just like tests and objective things, but just like from patients and people and feeling like I was really connecting with people and making an impact and I could physically see all my hard work all those years pay off that I started giving myself a little bit more credit um 
but yeah, like in residency, it definitely got a bit better the past few months because, or the beginning of residency, because I was mostly in family clinic, which is where I feel comfortable and where I know my skill sets are. And again, I was getting like these actual tangible results of like my hard work is paying off. So my posture is hard to get better. And also like at this point, to, to also mention like imposter syndrome wasn't just for school. Like it's really for like everything in life. It was definitely for social media and like, oh no, I just got lucky and I just started it at the right time. Or it's because like my sister did social media before, or it's because like it was just a niche that no one filled. Like all these different things that like, I just couldn't give myself credit for the fact that my hard work and like just skill set in creating content and connecting people like is what led to success. Or when I did a collab with a brand, like I got a brand deal, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that they're actually paying me to do this. Like, who am I? Who am I to create content for this amazing brand that I love? Like it, it bled into that. It bled into relationships and friendships. Like, oh, they're going to find, they, they're my friend just because they think I'm a certain way, but I'm not actually that way. Like they just think I'm really like, fun and chill but really i'm not like they just are they're just they just don't know me fully and like or with partners of just like oh they're gonna find out like they like i remember i remember when i was just started to talk to my current um partner my current boyfriend on hinge that's how we met duh and i guess for context we met on hinge like two weeks before covid like march 2020 covid um and then i blew off our date and then the pandemic hit and then we're like oh so like i'll see you in two weeks and then two weeks became another two weeks and then two months and then eventually we had just kept talking and hadn't met in person for like four months and we're just facetiming every day um so that's just context of this conversation but when it was like towards the summer and things were getting a little bit better and we were trying to figure out like a plan and how we could meet and like kind of quarantine together to do everything like super safely whatever and essentially we like kind of knew before we met that we were probably gonna start dating once we met just because like we had clicked so well just like facetiming and whatever um but i remember saying to him and like i debated bringing this up for so long because like this sounds so silly but i'm like i really had to know because i like convinced myself that i that he was only into me for like in my head like the idea of me and like he didn't really he like thought of me as differently than I was, even though like I was so candid and vulnerable with him. Like we opened up so quickly, but I was like, do you just like, like, do you actually like me or do you just like the idea of me? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like I, I like, I'm a girl who's also ambitious and like going into medicine, but I also like, I blah, 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 whatever. Like all these, all these factors that he had brought up as like positive traits of mine. But I was just like, so you just like me because you're putting together all these like positive things or things you're looking for in a partner into a person. So you just like like the idea of me, but you don't actually like me. And like even that is kind of a form of imposter syndrome, right? Like why can't I just own the fact that I have these positive qualities that someone is looking for in a partner versus like, oh no, they must be delusional, right? <laughs> like that was my cue. Like he must just not be seeing things right. Like he must just not not know what he wants because there is no way someone as great as him could like someone like me. Like my point being is imposter syndrome really blends into every part of your life. But back to what I was saying was it got better over time. And I thought it was kind of in the past. Like I really started to feel like 
I was genuinely a confident person over the past, like again, like year-ish or so. It felt really good. Um, And the other side of that is when you have that genuine confidence, when you get things wrong, when you don't do as well as you think you're going to, which inherently happens to newsflash everyone, right? Like no one is perfect. And if they pretend they are, they're lying. Um, It wouldn't affect me as much, right? Like if I was on a rotation and like I didn't know the answer to a question or if I got like feedback that wasn't like 100% perfect or like if I did it, wrote an exam and I didn't do that well on the exam, I like at least to a large degree compared to how it used to be, I stopped taking them so personally. And instead of blaming myself, I recognized like, hey, well, I didn't do that great on this exam, but I also have all these other reasons to think that I actually am a good student and I am smart and I am going to be a good doctor that it's probably other factors that are why I didn't do as well as I thought. Like I wrote one exam and like I was on a super busy rotation and I hadn't slept well. And like while I was writing the exam, my eyes were shutting. It was like an online virtual exam during COVID and I didn't do that well, but I did fine enough, but not the point. Um, And I was like, oh, well, it was probably these other factors because I have all these valid points in my head of why this isn't necessarily a reflection of me, like why this one bad thing isn't the gross generalization. Um, But all this to say, I started my internal medicine rotation like two and a half weeks ago, and I was really out of my comfort zone. Um, I'd been on family medicine or other rotations that I'm comfortable in. Like I'd also been doing some obstetrics and a lot of like emergency medicine type rotations, but I feel really comfortable in the emergency medicine setting too. Like I've always really liked it too and felt like it was suited to my skill sets as a person, but I hadn't done something like internal medicine since I did my internal medicine rotation all the way back in my third year of med school or my second year actually of med school. Wow. Um, which was March of 2021. So almost, wait, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. March of 2021. So like almost a year ago, um, I hadn't been in this setting and I also hadn't worked with the certain, with the um, computer system we were using in this hospital. And I was coming onto a team where a lot of people had already done this rotation. So they knew what was going on. And like, I was the odd man out. And that first day, and honestly, like the first few days, but really that first day was awful. Like I was beating myself into the ground. Like I am not this person, but I really don't say anything during rounds that I didn't, when I didn't have to, like I was not answering anyone's questions. I was trying to like avoid icon people. I just wanted to like be unseen. No one to look at me. Like if they look at me too long, they'll know I'm a fraud. Like the, if I say one wrong thing, they're going to know I'm a horrible doctor and that I don't know what I'm doing. And everyone here is so much smarter than me and so on and so forth. And like, look, these people who our internal medicine residents or internal medicine doctors or whatever it might be are going to be better at this rotation that they have been on before and that this is not only their skill set but also what they're interested in and their passion that's all fine and true and i learned so much from these people but i didn't even give myself a fighting chance like i told myself before i went in there like girl don't even try like no 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 don't even speak no one look at you they're gonna know you're a fraud you're gonna get exposed and that's it And that first week was rough. Like I have not beaten myself up that way or like gotten really emotional in that kind of way in like probably like 
over a year, like around when I did internal medicine last, actually, no, internal medicine wasn't that scary in med school for me. But when I did a few months, January of 2021 was like my beginning of clerkship and I was on general surgery. And that's how I felt then. Like when I just started med school and I was on surgery and I just like, am not built to be a surgeon. It was not the environment for me. It was not the type of medicine I like to practice. And I was just like, so in out of my league and I just like wanted to disappear the entire time. And that's how I felt again. And it felt so awful. And I forgot how imposter syndrome can feel. And it's what made me want to record this episode. And I've been thinking about it over the past two and a half weeks, but I haven't had time because I'm on internal medicine. Um, but it all, it, it, it was brewing. And then on for like the last day of the week, it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. I was on call. So it was like 24 hour call. So it was like 6 p.m. and all the other residents went home. And the staff who's like on my team, she's so lovely. And we were just going to see a patient. And I was just like me and her. And we were just chatting. And she told me how she thought I was doing really well. And that even though you can tell that this like isn't where I'm super comfortable and it's not necessarily my knowledge base, that she really appreciated, I think she like the um my thought process and that. I was thinking through things in the right way. And even if I had to look some things up, like you're not supposed to be a walking encyclopedia. You're supposed to know how to analyze information. And that what means the most to me and that she was, she could really tell that patients felt comfortable with me and that I was, I was doing a good job at conveying difficult information or working through difficult conversations and essentially just gave me really positive feedback. Um, without saying that like oh you're amazing at this you're perfect which would have been like oh this is fake but just like realistic positive feedback and I literally looked at her I was like oh I had no idea <laughs> she's like what I'm like that is news to me I thought I was just keeping my head above water just treading for safety I did not think that I was leaving a positive impression at all like I really thought I was like drowning this whole time she was like why did you think that and I'm like I don't know. She's like, did I say anything to make you feel like you were doing a bad job? Like, nope. (laughs) Did she's like, did any of the other residents on the team like tell you you're doing something wrong? Nope. (laughs) She's like, why do you feel that way? Like, huh, you're right. (laughs) I don't know. And again, this isn't to say that I was the best internal medicine resident on my first week ever. No, I wasn't. No one's great on their first day or their first week especially when it's not in their skill set. But I thought I was awful, like the worst thing. I'm like, ah, the med students are all smarter than me, which eh, they might be, but that's besides the point, right? Um, But anyways, we can tie up this topic here with a few points, okay? One, and I've said this before on my podcast, and I love this saying, having imposter syndrome inherently means you have something to be proud of. The feeling of imposter syndrome is so uncomfortable and it's so unpleasant. But if nothing else, come back to the fact that put aside the excuses you make for why you got there, but isn't it cool that you have something to be proud of? Because frankly, not everyone, at least not in all points of their lives, can say that, right? Whether it's luck or chance or fluke or whatever, you have something to be proud of. So come back to that. Number two, come back to the facts. What are you basing this opinion off of? If it's only your own head, if no one has ever told you these thoughts, why why do you believe that? And then go back to what people have told you, right? Go back to the facts 
and I find what helps me, and this is more of like an immediate practical one, is go do something that makes you feel confident. Even if it's different from the current thing that you're feeling anxious about or feeling like you have imposter syndrome about, go remind yourself that you're capable and you can do things. Remind yourself that you are capable of also doing things that are hard. Um, and finally, give yourself grace. I, I I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself, but I I know from talking to people, from you guys on DMs, from my friends, et cetera, something we all deal with or a lot of us do. But we are way harder on ourselves than other people are. Like the negatives are so much more salient. And that really is just human psychology. We can't beat ourselves up for that. Like we're trained to remember the bad things because that's what protects us from things in the future. Like that's where our brain is wired. But the negatives feel so much more salient. And unless you stop yourself, check yourself and realize oh, am I only focusing on like the one piece of negative feedback I've gotten in the past month on this rotation or the one bad mark I've gotten on this grade or the one negative thing a friend had to say to me in the past versus focusing on the 10 amazing pieces of feedback or the 10 amazing exam scores or the 10 amazing friends in my life who um, have stuck by my side no matter what. Check yourself on that. Um, And finally, like you're not alone. And I think what help, why that helps is not only because like misery loves company and whatever, but mostly just because imposter syndrome, it's a syndrome. It's something that you are experiencing that isn't reality, right? It's a, it's a syndrome, or I guess those aren't really like that. The definition doesn't exactly translate the way I'm trying to make it seem, but it's an abnormal train of thinking, right? when you've gone through those steps of what are the facts? Am I basing myself off the facts? Am I only focusing on negative facts? Or am I equally balancing positive and negative facts? It isn't reality, right? It's reality, first of all, is subjective. We all have different realities and see other people's realities in different ways, but it's just something that your brain is tricking you into right now. And the second you start calling it that, start naming it, oh, I'm feeling imposter syndrome this isn't who I am. This is just the imposter syndrome. I actually am capable. I actually know that I've succeeded in the past. I am actually not just going to focus on all my flaws and negativities rather than all the amazing things I can do. Once you start naming it as something, it becomes easier to separate it from who you are. You are not your imposter syndrome. You are not your anxiety. You are you. And this is something that your brain is trying to trick you into. Maybe for good measure, perhaps. Um, but besides the point, it is maladaptive in this moment. Okay. That is my conversation on imposter syndrome. Um, I feel like it, obviously I gave some advice at the end, but it's something that I don't have like that perfect piece of advice for. I just think that for me, it really helps hearing other people's experiences with it and learning to clock it in myself and work through it in that way. But I also want to take this moment to say, If this is something you are seriously struggling with and it's impacting your mental health, your quality of life, if it's impacting your mood, um, if you feel like it's too much for you to handle on your own, please speak to a professional, speak to your doctor, speak to a counselor, speak to a trusted family member or friend. Um, You're not alone in this and seeking help is the bravest and coolest thing that you can do. 
Um, None of this is ever medical advice or mental health advice. It's just my experiences. Um, So please speak to someone if you are struggling. Okay. On that note, let's tie up this conversation and I'm going to pull up the question box I posted on my story and we will get into it. Okay. Assumptions about me. The first one is you always have it all figured out. Definitely not. Um, If this episode didn't prove that, I feel like even in just the little things, like when I think of someone who has it all figured out, they're just like cool, calm, and collected, you know? Like they are just smooth walking, not awkward, not all over the place. And I really try to stay organized and not be all over the place, but that's just not true. Like just for a small example of why I, and this isn't like a big deal by any means, but just like a little thing that is just like annoying and awkward and silly and like people don't like share on social media because it's just like not cool to be like a space cadet sometimes. But yesterday I went to my friend Yaz's house to make dinner and I left and I just like put on her Uggs instead of mine and I walked out the door and they're not one the same size, two like the same style, like mine are a different version and like mine have salt stains and those didn't, but I don't know. I just put them on and whatever, like that's an understandable thing to happen. Now, today, she only lives a few blocks from me, so I was going to walk over and bring back her eggs and grab mine. And I walk halfway there to realize I didn't even bring them with me. Like, I just walked out the door without nothing because I was just in my own head. My head's a nice place to be. Um, and again, this is, like, not a big deal. I just walked back. I got, my, got the eggs, and then I went over. But it's just, like, ugh, I felt just, like, silly and stupid of, like, why am I an airhead sometimes? So I don't have it all figured out. I definitely am super awkward and all over the place and definitely not always organized not always clean my apartment doesn't always look great my bed is not made right now so on um but yeah I don't always have it figured out that being said I really try to prioritize organization and being clean and planned out to like ease that mental load and try to make things easier and I really value being on top of my things especially when it's when people rely on me like I what I've noticed and I've spoken this with my friends before but like when it comes to work or just big responsibilities like I never blank out on those like I'll be late to like go meet up with my friends but like I won't be late to work you know or like if I'm doing things for like 10 different patients at the hospital like I won't forget anything I need to do because like my brain just just like clicks on and stays on for that that maybe because of that for like the smaller things in life, I just don't have the mental capacity to always like keep them nicely, neatly sorted in my head. I don't know. Maybe that's just me stretching, but that's how I feel sometimes. Okay. Next assumption. You're burnt out. I actually, I wanted to talk about this in this episode, but I didn't have time um, because I ended up ranting about imposter syndrome for 45 minutes. So whatever. But I also want to talk a little bit about burnout because like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, I've been working or I had the weekend off actually. So I'm no longer in that state, but I did work a stretch of essentially three weeks straight without a real day off. And to say I was thriving would be a lie. Like I was not thriving. I've been better, but I was actually okay. 
like I didn't really feel that burnt out. Like, yes, I was tired physically, but like mentally I was actually good. Like I was checking in with myself. I gave myself grace. I knew that I wasn't going to be my best and that I was going to let something slide. And I gave myself the space to do that. Um, and I was actually all things considered doing pretty okay. And that was really exciting to realize because the last time I've been in that situation, the last time I was on a super busy rotation would have been in, I guess, in med school now, but I was not okay. Um, so it was really, really positive to see that growth. And it reaffirmed me that all the work I do for myself on my mental health and my physical health and my personal development and working on my mindset and my habits, like it's really paying off and I feel myself becoming the version of myself that I really want to be. And that's really gratifying because for a long time I felt like I was doing all this, I was doing all this. And then every few months I would just fall back and I would just come back to my old ways of thinking. But I really feel like, yes, sometimes I do fall back. And again, I was not at my peak prime thriving hot girl era. No, definitely not. And when I say hot girl, I don't mean physically. I mean like mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever. Um, but I was doing okay. So I guess the assumption isn't true, but it's a really interesting conversation that I'm definitely happy to chat more about. Um, okay. Well, this is the same, same person said this one. These are good. You're contemplating quitting social media so you can fully dedicate yourself to residency. Absolutely not. The reasons that I contemplate quitting social media have nothing to do with wanting to put 100% of myself into medicine and residency. Not because I'm not committed to it, but I have never been the person who likes doing just one thing. Like I really enjoy having different aspects of my life and jumping into them and having different communities and different people and perspectives and exploring my interests. And as much as I love medicine and the sciences and like analytical, logical thinking. I also really love creativity and just am kind of like doing my own thing. And I like the social media. I can make those own decisions. I don't really work for anyone when it comes to it. Um, and I really love it. And it has negative aspects for sure, which we're all very well aware of. And the comparison game can be tough. And I really am working two jobs during the, in the amount of time that I have to work one. And I, it burns me out and it's been it's been a work in progress finding that balance but at the end of the day I really do love it but if I were to quit it wouldn't be because I feel like I want to put more of myself into residency I think again going back to the facts like I've been doing what I need to do I'm doing well I'm learning well I'm where I need to be um so just because I don't work in the same way as other people doesn't mean that I'm not doing well and I think it's also like this is a whole separate conversation, but I think people just have different tolerances for how much they want to work. And that also depends on like what you define as work. But for me, like, yes, social media is work and a responsibility, but I, I enjoy it. So I don't mind it being that. Um, so I'm okay. Like tonight, spending my night recording this podcast instead of just like watching a movie in bed. Um, I enjoy it, you know, like I really enjoy doing productive things and growing my mind and connecting with people, even if sometimes it does feel like a little bit like a chore and I don't always want to film that brand deal or record this podcast or make content and I'm feeling uninspired. Like I'm okay 
making like I, I enjoy it versus people like want more downtime they like doing nothing and just watching tv and chilling and that's totally fine like it's just not really who I am like I, I really just like stimulating myself in that way so I guess my tolerance for being busy is just like maybe high I don't know I don't know because again I like it so I don't really feel like that ah whatever let's just move on okay um let's find another assumption you only eat vegan no I do not only eat vegan um I don't want to say it's like rules for myself but I guess like backstory is I've been vegetarian for almost 10 years pescatarian I should say um, since I was 15 and now I'm 24, going on 25, crazy. Um, spent almost 10 years. So I have not eaten meat at all in 10 years. And then I was fully vegan at a point, maybe like four years ago for almost a year. And I stopped because honestly, it was just with being super busy with school and stuff and not being able to always cook for myself as a student. It just wasn't sustainable. And I found that I actually wasn't eating healthier like for me the reasons that I don't eat as many animal products is multifactorial like one is for health reasons two is for the environment and three is for like animal rights and ethics like it's kind of all three of those for me Um, a big one is definitely health and just like what things I'm putting in my body and knowing where they're coming from and how the food I'm eating was treated etc etc and being fully vegan as a student I was eating just a lot of like very similar food groups and I didn't have a big of variety in my diet and I wasn't getting a lot of protein and that also wasn't healthy and I it wasn't making me feel my best um so I transitioned away from that and stayed like dairy free but started eating a little bit of fish and then some eggs and then now kind of where I'm at with like my plant-based journey I guess is I really love eating a plant-based diet it makes me feel great and I'd say I'm about 75 to 80% plant-based. Um, I basically eat, I'd say like 95 to 100% plant-based in my apartment. So I don't buy any animal products into my apartment for the most part. Um, like I only buy dairy-free cheese if I'm going to buy cheese. I guess like I have some chocolate that has dairy. Like I don't really check every label. Um, but I don't really cook my own fish or seafood in the house. And I, I eat eggs sometimes at home, so that, I, that I still do. Because again, I'm not like, it, it's really just what works for me. It's not about rules. It's just about like what makes me feel good. But then when I eat out, I don't restrict myself and I just follow what feels right. So often that does look like a more plant-based diet. Again, I still don't eat meat ever, but it often is plant-based. Or sometimes I will, I, yeah, I probably eat like fish like once a week when you include eating out because I find that that's when I like get that big serving of protein and all the healthy omega fats that are in fish. Um, but yeah. So when I eat out, I don't really have rules for myself. I just follow with what feels right. But when I eat at home, I basically eat almost entirely plant-based. So that equals out to like an 80-20 sort of thing. Um, and that's what works for me right now. Okay. Let's move to some questions because this episode is getting longer than I thought. I thought I wouldn't have what to talk about. And suddenly we're almost at an hour. Wow. Okay. Okay. First question is favorite restaurant for a date in Toronto. Okay. I love Italian and I feel like there's lots of like super classic popular Italian spots in Toronto that like everyone's been to. 
and it's not they're not delicious but i love like that good old school italian restaurant with like checker tablecloths maybe like you see the italian grandma in the kitchen cooking and it's just super authentic and like i guess for lack of a better word like simple italian food but not simple because it's delicious and amazing but just like classic i guess is a better word um so some of my favorites for those i love sugo it's hard to get a table but i also like getting takeout and eating it at home it's so good um i love i can't speak today so it's 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 like a sister restaurant there's two so there's taverniti which is in little italy and that one's like super classic and the next door is a sister restaurant called tabs which is like a little more like groovy funky also delicious um and recently i went to a restaurant it's on like saint Clair west so a little more uptown called pizza a pazzi probably for sure mispronouncing that but it was also so good um or i love sushi for a date night and for sushi i love casamoto it's a little a bit of a splurge but especially on the patio in the summer is such a good vibe so great um yeah next question what did you do your undergrad in i did my undergrad in so i started off in general sciences like basic sciences and then when i was in first year going into second year i applied to a honor specialization in neuroscience so that's what i did in second and third year and then i didn't finish my undergrad because i got into med school early so i actually graduated with a bachelor of arts because through neuroscience it's a super small program at my school um i think it's only 25 people or something so it doesn't have its own faculty. So it, it has like we had a neuroscience 2000 and neuroscience 3000 course every year, full semester, full year. But then we borrow courses from other specialties that feed in. So like a neurophysiology from physiology and neuropsychology and cognitive behavior and um, animal behavior, whatever it might be. Like we picked our courses and kind of made our own sort of plan. Um, so I took a lot of psychology courses and that led out to basically the only thing i could get after three years was a three-year inter interdisciplinary bachelor of arts i think that's what my degree formally says but i was on track for a bachelor of science in neuroscience and i really love neuroscience and i miss it a lot and i still really love learning about it in psychology and reading about it because it's so fascinating and it's really cool even though it's just my bachelor's and not even a complete one just like having that extra glimpse into how people think is like so cool and um, I don't know. I really loved it. If you are into neuroscience, I definitely would recommend exploring that option. Let's do one more question. What is one long-term career goal you would love to accomplish? I really want to write a book and I have no idea if this is going to be a nonfiction, like factual book, like something about medicine, or if it's going to be a fiction book or if it's going to be like a non-fiction more so like self-development memoir sort of situation i have no idea um i've never been like i would never say like i'm a writer but i've always loved reading growing up and like loved creative writing and like poems and just like journaling and loved reading poems and journaling and creative writing activities and stuff um it really fun to take like a class in creative writing now as an adult i feel like that'd be really cool like muscle to to practice in my brain um and aside from writing i just like as you guys know from this podcast and social media like i just love connecting with people and uh stepping away from my imposter syndrome look guys everything comes full circle telling myself that i do have things to share whether they're like information science factual based versus just like my experiences and perspectives 
Um, I do have things to share. And even if one person reads the book and it impacts their life, that makes it all worth it. Um, so yeah, not even, not at all in the works. I, I have not started this concept at all, but I would love to write a book in my career. Okay. It has been an hour. I'm going to go have an amazing week. This was so much fun. I'm going to do more solo episodes. I always say this. I always say this. Okay. Leave a rating, leave a review, follow the podcast on social media. Um, follow me if you would like, you don't have to, but at all. Um, it'd be really cool to know if anyone found me through my podcast. Like if you found my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and then from there you found me and now you follow me, like that'd be really cool to know. So if that's the case, let me know. Um, but anyways, have a beautiful week. Be kind to yourself, give yourself grace and you are incredible and beautiful and I appreciate you and I'm proud of you. Okay. Bye.